Have you ever seen anybody play the game called soccer? Welcome, everyone, to the Yankee Wankers football podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined by no one today. So I am riding solo, uh, checking in live here with Barrett and Clayton. Yeah, the, the, the guys have abandoned me uh, today, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, no, I, those guys have work uh, commitments this week that uh, that kind of popped up. Uh, not unexpectedly, it's been on the calendar for a moment, but uh, uh, they should be joining us again starting uh, next week. But having said that, there was a lot of good footy action this weekend, uh, certainly from a Manchester United perspective. We enjoyed it. We'll talk about the uh, Europa League uh, results uh, from earlier this afternoon here on March 11th as we're recording this, but uh, uh, we'll talk about that as well. But uh, before we get into all the, uh, the the hot footy talk, as always, we've got to show some love to our sponsor. And of course, I am talking about Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Now, everybody knows about Chalk. 1324 West Memorial Road there in Chisholm Creek Plaza. You can follow Ben, Chad, and the entire entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Chalk OKC. And again, remember, we are in the midst of our sister podcast, right? The YSO uh, podcast you're still out with our man Jay Till over on the golf side of things. In the midst of our Eat More Chalk, Play More Golf giveaway. Now, it's a little, little cool, little uh, yeah, some pre-sip here in Oklahoma City today on Thursday. The forecast doesn't exactly look great over the weekend, but you know, hopefully we can find some time to squeeze in some golf. But go play a round of golf. Take your scorecard in to Chalk. Uh, give that to your server, write uh, Sports Pros Network, YSO Pod, Yankee Wankers Podcast, something to let your server know that you are a friend of the Sports Pros Network and all of our great podcasts. You'll get half off your burger or sandwich, and you will be entered into a drawing up until March 31st. Right? Contest goes through March 31st. You'll be entered into a drawing for a table for four in a $200 gift card uh, for the best seat in the house there at Chalk on Master Sunday, right? So, again, there's not a bad seat uh, at Chalk with all those TV screens, but we'll make sure that you get the best seat in the house, table for four, $200 gift card. Uh, again, go out, play golf, bring in that scorecard. We'll enter you into a drawing. That drawing is going to take place uh, shortly after March 31st, probably a day the next day, so that we can notify our winners, get everything squared away there for Master Sunday, uh, watching all the action unfold there on the back nine on Sunday afternoon. So, uh, but remember that is eat more chalk, play more golf. You got until March 31st uh, to uh, get those entries in. Uh, make chalk your official 19th hole here in spring. Is spring is sprung, right? So golf season uh, is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. So always the favorite that is chalk luxury sports bar. Well, again, since I'm riding solo, I guess I can I can t- take a little bit more time here uh, to talk about some of the action that uh, unfolded over the past week. And I guess we have to start with the midweek Champions League action, right? So, and let's start with what was probably the, the, the big upset. I, I guess you have to call it that, right? From Tuesday afternoon, Porto over Juventus on away goes, right? They tie 4-4 on the aggregate, but Porto get two away goes there uh, in Juventus. Uh, and again, kind of a surprising, uh, shocking upset, right? You know, Porto obviously won the first leg um, 2-1 uh, with Juventus getting that late goal there uh, for the away goal. We thought, well, you know, Juventus will probably overturn that uh, whenever they get back to Turin. And I'll be darned, 
Sergio Oliveira, right? He gets a goal in the 19th minute. Porto score first. And so now, you know, it's really uh, the impetus is on Juventus. Credit them through Federico Chiesa coming back, right? So they get two goals from him in the second half, though it's 2-1. We end up being all square at the end of 90 minutes, or I guess at the end of 180 minutes, if you want to call it that. And so it goes to extra time, and Oliveira strikes again, right? From a, a free kick uh, through the wall, under the wall, all right, depending upon the replay angle you've got. I know Cristiano Ronaldo is catching some flack about maybe you know, not uh, being as steadfast in his wall duties as maybe uh, he probably should have been. Um, but it's a great goal. Um, Adrian Rebio gets one back for Juventus, but it's not enough. Juventus end up winning the match 3-2, but again, Porto go through on away goals to the quarterfinals, which, you know, Porto has a history, right? We think about Jose Mourinho and what he was able to do there many, many moons ago. And so this is an uncharted territory, but certainly a, a big upset. And, you know, it raises questions now about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's future with Juventus, right? It sounds like um, this will probably be his last year in Turin, uh, and he will be seeking uh, uh, pastures anew, uh, perhaps maybe being brought back to Old Trafford, right? So there's always been a little bit of scuttlebutt there about uh, Cristiano Ronaldo coming home, uh, for lack of a, uh, a better term there. But we'll see if it plays out that way. But, uh, yeah, definitely not the, uh, the last two years, right, if you think about it, for Juventus. Uh, going out in the round of 16. Not what they had in mind uh, whenever uh, they signed Cristiano Ronaldo, what, two and a half years ago, uh, whatever it's been now. The other leg on Tuesday, not surprising, right? Uh, uh, Borussia Dortmund goes through over Sevilla. This was kind of an entertaining match here. Um, Erling Holland continues to do it again. The wonder kid, right, 20 years old, 20 goals in the Champions League now. I know they had, had a comment um, asking uh, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer about it as well. Um you know, being, uh, I think he matched his total, right? I think uh, Ole had 20 Champions League goals throughout his entire career at Manchester United. And uh, uh, young uh, Holland has done it in uh, uh, just really two years, right? If you think about it, uh, with Dortmund. And so, again, a lot of speculation about where he'll be playing his football next year. I would tend to think it may still be Dortmund. Uh, that price tag is only going up with his performances. But Dortmund advance to the quarterfinals as well. 5-4 on aggregate there over Sevilla. Wednesday, got to talk about Barrett's Club, Barrett's Club right? Liverpool, uh, a good performance, right? Uh, they they led after the first leg 2-0. And again, Liverpool was technically uh, the away side uh, after that uh, first match. And uh, I think it was Hungary uh, is where they were playing on Budapest or wherever it was. Um, and they, they come out and win the second leg 2-0 as well, right? So no doubt about that. Goals from uh, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane in the uh, second half in quick succession. I think they were about five minutes apart. Uh, was enough to see Liverpool through, even with a continues to be a make, makeshift back line, or at least a makeshift uh, center half pairing there uh, each and every week. You don't know who it's going to be. But again, the contrasting performances, or at least results for sure, uh, for Liverpool, you compare it with the, uh, the the Premier League and the domestic league and not going so hot there, and that's been well documented. And we've talked about it on this pod as everybody's talked about it. Uh, over the last uh, few months or so, and we'll we'll get to Liverpool's um, weekend uh, performance, I should say, in the EPL. Again, another another ugly loss, but um, you know they still continue to plug away in the Champions League, and they are through to the quarterfinals yet again. Again, probably long odds to win it this year, uh, given the situation that they're in, but they're in it, and uh, that's more that can be said for uh, Barcelona, right? So the the other leg from Wednesday afternoon, PSG won. Barcelona won, PSG advances 5-2 on aggregate. Again, this one was 
kind of over uh, after the first leg where PSG just went into the uh, new camp and tore Barcelona apart uh, 4-1 there. Uh, this one, you know, started off uh, a little a little, a little spicy, right? So uh, Mbappe gets a penalty in the uh, 30th minute. You think, well, this is over with. Messi comes back and scores shortly thereafter from a, a great, uh, uh, kick, uh, great kick from outside the box. And then Barcelona gets a penalty. And you think, all right, well, if they convert this, maybe there's something going on here. Messi steps up to take the PK. It's saved by Kaylor Navas. Uh, kind of dives to his right. Messi kind of went down the middle. Uh, Navas was able to save it with his feet uh, on the extension. And after that, uh, it it seemed like Barcelona was maybe a little deflated, right? I think had they got that goal, then maybe we could have saw some magic there. And again, these two sides obviously have a history of ridiculous comebacks in the second leg or ridiculous collapses, depending upon which side uh, uh, of the equation you're on there. But uh, not to be in this one. PSG end up advancing comfortably whenever it's all said and done. And PSG are the better side right now, right? This this is not an upset. Uh, uh, PSG are definitely the better side. A- an aging side uh, for Barcelona. You think about you know Leo Messi, but uh, a couple other guys in there as well, Sergio Busquets and others, with you know mixed with a ro- lot of young talent right coming up through the academy, uh, but uh, haven't found the right mix uh, under uh, Ronald Koeman yet. Uh, and you know they're still in it in La Liga from a domestic standpoint, but. Uh, will be interesting to see if they can close the gap on Atletico Madrid there as well. So, well, second half of the other half of the Champions League, right? So let's talk about next week. couple uh, quick previews here. Manchester City, right? They're up 2-0 on aggregate over Mönchengladbach. It's coming back to the uh, Etihad. I think that I, they may be playing in a neutral uh uh, venue as well, right? I think maybe they are now that I say that. Uh, Manch and Gladbach, not in exactly uh, great form right now. City will probably trot out a very heavily rotated lineup, if I had to guess, uh, and uh, will still progress quite easily in that one. Uh, the other one on Tuesday, though, I think this one's still up in the air. And that, of course, would be Real Madrid in Atalanta uh, from Serie A. Uh, Real Madrid lead narrowly 1-0 on aggregate after a late goal uh, in the uh, the first tie with Atalanta. And so Real Madrid will be the home side this time, right? So they got an away go technically uh, on that one, even though I think they may have played in a neutral venue as well, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, Atalanta not out of this one, and we've seen them, you know, kind of make some upsets in the past or recent past, right? Thinking back to last year uh, in the Champions League, and uh, they're a tough out. So I think that one is still going to be worth watching on Tuesday even though Madrid certainly will be the favorite um, and have an advantage. If we go to Wednesday, St. Paddy's Day, I, myself, I'm, I'm going to be at chalk uh, on St. Paddy's Day. Uh, my man Chad Ford in the uh, Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, right, our sports gambling podcast, we are going to be emceeing the 68-team giveaway there at chalk on Wednesday on St. Paddy's Day uh, that afternoon around lunchtime. Come out and see us. Get your name in the hopper. Uh, draw out a good team for the tournament. The further your team progresses, the more prizes you will win. Uh, so much fun on that front. So so come out and say hello to us there on Wednesday on St. Patty's Day. But I'm sure on the side TVs, I mean, of the 29 <laughs> side TVs that Chalk has, I'm probably undershooting it. It's probably more than that. Um, we will have Champions League football. Bayern Munich up on Lazio. Right, aggregate 4-1 after the first leg. And again, that was uh, at Lazio. You would think that that one is done and dusted. Bayern will progress uh, to the quarterfinals as they almost annually do. And then the other leg, again, this one's going to be interesting here. Chelsea 
Atletico Madrid. Chelsea up in that one on the aggregate 1-0 uh, after a 1-0 um, um, victory as, as the away side, right, uh, in the first leg of that one against Atletico. I wouldn't count Atletico out of this one, right? So they um, uh, come back to Stanford Bridge, or again, this one may be a uh, neutral site venue as well. Uh, but this one uh, should be fun here. I think there's going to be some fireworks in this one. And again, Thomas Tuchel, got to give him credit, right? So he's come in and righted the ship uh, there at Stamford Bridge. They're much, much more difficult to score against. That's certainly for sure. Um, and maybe not as free-flowing and uh, uh, scoring as many goals uh, as what we're accustomed to seeing the Blues doing. But uh, they, they score enough. And again, 1-0 uh, was enough to uh, to win the first leg. And I'm sure they would take that result in the second leg as well. But uh, don't count out the Atletico um, that one is not over with, and I think that will be the tie to watch on St. Patty's Day afternoon uh, on the 17th. All right, United fans, before we get to the good stuff from the weekend in the Manchester Derby, we have to talk about what took place earlier this afternoon. Again, United, AC Milan uh, in the Europa League first leg. One of the earlier ties, right? I kind of forgot about it. It was noon here, Central Time, 1 o'clock Eastern, uh, whereas most of these, um, or a lot of these Europa League matches on Thursday evenings are 2 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Eastern time. But 1-1 draw from Old Trafford. Again, United, not the result we were looking for from the first leg standpoint. And, and United played pretty well in a heavily rotated lineup, we should say, right? So it wasn't the uh, the full strength lineup, as I would call it, uh, for Manchester United, right? Um, Marcus Rashford nursing an ankle injury that he picked up in the Derby from Sunday. He wasn't in there. Uh, you had Alex Tellez in for Luke Shaw. Um, you had Dan James in there as well. You had uh, Ahmad Diallo makes his debut and actually scores a goal, and I'll talk about that one here in a moment. Dean Henderson still in goal in uh, uh, Nemanja Matic in there as well. But again, kind of a rotated lineup. Didn't have all the, uh, uh, the, the horses in the stable, as you would expect, uh, from Manchester United standpoint which might behoove them well, right? It might uh, might play better on the weekend against West Ham, and we'll talk about that. But despite it, United should have, this thing should be clear, right? So on either side of half, Harry Maguire, Dan James, they both miss absolute setters at the back post, right? So uh, Harry Maguire's from a corner kick for Alex Tellez. I don't, it, it seemed like he, cleared it more than he did try to put a shot on goal. Uh, kind of bounces off the uh, the upright, uh, if you will, the left uh, up post. And uh, somehow, with the spin of the ball, does not end up in the back of the net. And then Dan James in the second half uh, on a delicious uh, cross across the box by Mason Greenwood. Again, just couldn't get his left foot wrapped around it to get it in an open goal, and he was wide open. So this one could have been 3-1, but Simone Kier uh, in the second minute of extra time there, or added time, you know, finds a way to salvage the tie for AC Milan, right? And so now this one's game on. Whenever we go back to the San Siro next Thursday, uh, United, despite probably having the better of the chances and overall playing a little bit better, again, Milan without uh, several key figures there, uh, namely uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic out with injury. Um, I would still favor United to find a way to get through uh, in that second leg tie because I think that the lineup will be much stronger uh, next Thursday at the San Siro. But now you've got a Milan team who has belief, right? So who's going to be in a siege mentality knowing that nil-nil is good enough to send them through on away goals. And so I think it's going to be a tough test for United. And again, there's obviously history there in the the glory days, if you will, between Manchester United and AC Milan between Old Trafford and the San Siro. So who knows what's going to happen there? Again, I still like United's chances to progress, but obviously the result favors uh, Milan uh, with that away goal. So we'll see what happens there. But again, I think it'll be a much, much stronger side that uh, Ole trots out there 
uh, next Thursday. Uh, other English sides in the Europa League, uh, they they played well, right? So we think about um, uh, Arsenal and Spurs. Arsenal uh, win their first leg against Olympiacos, 3-1. Goals from uh, Martin Odegaard, Gabriel, and uh, Mohamed El Nini uh, late on. Probably put that tie out of reach now. Again, Arsenal were the away side, so lots of away goals for the Gooners there. You'd expect them to progress to the quarterfinals. In their North London rival, which we'll get to the North London derby, uh, coming up this weekend, uh, Harry Kane puts Spurs through 2-0 over Dinamo Zagreb. Again, goals either side of halftime there by Harry Kane, 25th minute and the 70th minute. Enough to see Spurs through. And Spurs were the home side here, so this one isn't technically over with, but Jose Mourinho's favorite scoreline, 2-0 for Spurs, definitely put them in the driver's seat, and you would expect them to progress through through the quarterfinals. And so if that happens, United finds a way to get past Milan there at the San Siro. We'll have three of the final eight sides um, in Europa will be English sides. But uh, other other results, Ajax, impressive performance over Young Boys, 3-0. Again, that one's probably over with. Uh, the goals all come in the second half, so Young Boys were kind of dug in there. Uh, but Ajax finally finds a way to break them down. Villarreal over Dinamo Kiev, 2-0. Again, Villarreal were the away side. Probably enough to see the Spanish sides through uh, to the quarterfinals there. Slavia Prague continues to be a tough out, right? We saw them upset Leicester City uh, in the uh, the last round there, the first knockout round, the round of 32, uh, but they hold Rangers to a 1-1 draw. Um, and so Rangers get the away goal, right? So again, you would expect Stevie G's side will be the the favorite to progress through to the quarterfinals as well. But man, I'm telling you, this this Slavia Prague side, they're proving to be a tough out. So they get a goal earlier, uh, early in the game there in the seventh minute from uh, Stanchu and then uh, Haylander for Rangers gets one back, and that was all she wrote for that one, 1-1. Roma, 3-0 over Shakhtar Donetsk. Again, you would expect that would be enough to see the Italian side through there to the quarterfinals. Uh, and then Granada, 2-0 over Ole's former side, Mold. Um, that one, again, you expect the Spanish side to progress there. Um to the quarterfinals on that one. Uh, Molina and Soldado uh, goals either side of halftime for Granada on that one. And you get a red card in that one too. Ellingson for Mold in 71st minute uh, gets a red card. But all right, United fans, if that was the ugly part of the week, let's turn the clock back to Sunday to the fun part of the week. The Manchester Derby, United 2, City nil. a penalty in the first minute, well, I guess technically the second minute after it was taken, by Bruno Fernandez and then Luke Shaw, who was absolutely outstanding uh, in the derby on Sunday, gets a goal in the 50th minute. Uh, that was enough to see United through to the victory. Again, closed the gap temporarily uh, to 11 points on that day against City in midweek to extend it back out to 14 points. Look, we, we've been saying it for weeks now. This is this is a possession uh, to to name City uh, the champions elect here. I don't I don't foresee United making a run. At this point, and really, I just don't see City faltering that much to allow United or Leicester or Chelsea or anyone else, for that matter, back into the race. I mean, they're not going to lose five matches down the stretch with just nine to play, right? So, which is essentially probably what we would need uh, for another side like United or Leicester to get back into the race. That's not going to happen. But from a United perspective, it always feels good to win a derby match, right? And, And United played well. And we've seen this, right? We've seen United under Ole have success against the sides that are always on the front foot, right? We think about Manchester City. We think about PSG and the Champions League over the last few years to where, you know, United are are deadly 
on the counter, right? And so whenever the side they're playing against is going to have more of the possession in city dominated possession here, as you would expect, right? Roughly 65% to 35%, I think is what it ended up being. Uh, no shocker there, but United made the most of the few opportunities that they had. And so, you know, the penalty early on, you know, Gabriel Jesus uh, uh, gives the ball away and makes a striker's tackle there on Anthony Martial, which if you go back and watch the replay of it, I'm sure Pep was just pulling you know, what little hair or no hair that he has out. Uh, he and I have the same haircut in that regard, so I respect him for that. But um, had to be frustrated because there were like five city defenders outside of Jesus around Anthony Martial. It's not like anything's going to happen. Uh, Jesus sticks in a leg uh, without a doubt a penalty, right? There was a question about was it in the box or was it right on the edge? The replays showed that he was clearly in the box. Uh, Bruno steps up and dispatches it. And at that point, United's got a lead. And that's, you know, from a neutral perspective, um, you know, probably what needed to happen to maybe open up the game a little bit or or, or maybe, you know, the other, I guess maybe the flip side of that is, um, you know, United's going to pack it in and now they're going to really be able to play off the counter. And so now we might see some fireworks here. And it didn't really come to fireworks, right? But, you know, United were uh, staunch at the back. They played well. You know, and City had chances, right? So as they always do, right, you're not going to keep them down for 90 minutes without getting a shot on goal. That's nearly not how it works. But uh, Dean Henderson played well, had a couple of good saves there in goal. He continues uh, to get the start, right? David Gea had his first child, right? Congrats on that front. Uh, but even Henderson was in goal uh, today uh, against AC Milan in the Europa League and probably should have saved uh, uh, that uh, that goal there from uh, uh, Kier at the end. But, um, you know, Save that discussion for another day, whether De Gea would have saved it or not. Uh, but but a big big win, big result for Manchester United, which you would think would maybe buoy them a little bit here down the last what six weeks of the season. Now again, they didn't play so hot against Milan uh, today, or, or you know the result wasn't what they wanted, but something that might kick them on and solidify you know what will inevitably probably be second place, right? So uh, they're they're gonna they're gonna finish in the top four. I'm pretty confident of that. Uh, whether it's second or third, and whether Leicester can kick on and catch them, or maybe even Chelsea, right? Chelsea's playing much better under Tuchel as well. Uh, Leicester seem to be maybe headed in the wrong direction there. If they can hold on to a top-four spot, um, I'm sure Brendan Rodgers uh, would take that at this point. So, uh, But, again, great result. Good win for Manchester United. And, again, never going to bitch about winning the Derby, uh, regardless of how it plays out, who plays well, who doesn't. Uh, the result is what really matters uh, in that big rivalry there. So, uh, well, the other matches of the weekend, let, let's go to Monday, right? As I kind of have them in order of priority here, perhaps. Chelsea 2, Everton nil. This was a, you know, potential top four battle here, right? I think they were fourth and fifth uh, in the table whenever they squared off. Chelsea, I mean, Everton helped them out here, right? So an own goal by Godfrey in the first half, uh, which which was well-crafted and created there, kind of kind of ricocheted in off of him. So, you know, not, uh, not a whole lot he could do about that. And then Jorginho gets a penalty um, in the second half after Jordan Pickford, as he's apt to do, rushes out, misses the ball, kind of cleans the, uh, I can't remember who it was now, for Chelsea uh, that actually drew the penalty at this point now. But, um, you know, Probably not the the best move from Pickford there, and uh, Jorginho dispatches the penalty uh, with his little hop, step, and jump that uh, technique that Bruno Fernandez will use from time to time for United as well. And that was all she wrote, right? So Chelsea uh, was the victorious of the two Blues in this one. And again, we'll take a look at the table here in a moment, but they continue to play well. And again, under Tuchel, seems to be some organization, seems to be some balance behind what they're doing uh, against an Everson, Everton side. That's that's tough, right? So we we've seen it. 
Um, uh, they've played really, really well under Ancelotti uh, over the first 28-29 matches of the season. So, big win for Chelsea. And again, they seem to be the favorite to nab that fourth spot now. Obviously, City's going to win the league. I think United will finish in second. And then there's kind of a, you know, can Leicester hold on? But uh, I would probably put money on Chelsea to finish in third at this point above Leicester uh, if I'm a betting man. And I tend to be a betting man, and I may have made that bet at this point. So I think Chelsea may end up catching them whenever it's all said and done. And the question really will be, can Leicester hold off some of the other suitors there for that uh, last Champions League spot uh, come mid to late May? So the other matches uh, over the weekend that uh, are worthy of talking about, I guess, uh, we've got to talk about Spurs 4, Crystal Palace 1. Again, Jose Mourinho seems to have cracked the code there with that Spurs side, right? We, we gave them a bunch of shtick uh, for the last couple of months. They weren't playing well. Uh, they were leaking goals at the back. They weren't scoring goals, which, again, seems inconceivable whenever you think about that front three, front four, if you want to count uh, Lucas Moura in there now as well. But Gareth Bell, two goals in this one. Harry Kane, two goals in this one. Uh, Christian Benteke does get one right before halftime for Crystal Palace. That made it seem like, well, this might be a game, but uh, such was not the case there at the Spurs' new home stadium uh, in North London. And Spurs are playing well right now. And um, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to play well enough. And maybe the teams ahead of them are going to drop enough points to get back in that top four race. Uh, but they're certainly going to find themselves in Europa uh, at the uh, the very worst, maybe fifth or sixth, uh, depending upon what happens above them. But uh, they're playing well right now, so kudos to them. And their North, North London derby rival, Arsenal, they dropped points this weekend. Talked about that that might be the case on the pod last week. I mean, you know, Burnley, Turf Moor, it's a tough place to go in and play. They get an early go from Obama Yang there in the sixth minute, but uh, – uh, Wood gets one back right before halftime, and then Burnley kind of pack it in, right, as they're apt to do. And they're really, really tough to break down. Sean Dykes, he knows how to get keep that side organized and make them a staunch defensive side there, the fortress that is Turf Moor, and that's kind of how it played out. So 1-1 one, one in that one. And so from the weekend action, Barrett, I saved the best for last. <laughs> Liverpool nil, Fulham one. Uh, a goal by Lamina, who kind of picks the ball off Salah in the box and uh, fires a really good shot into the corner, kind of across Allison there, which, uh, which you know, it would have been a tough save for Allison to make. Salah, I don't know if he was dawdling on the ball, right? You can really put a whole lot of blame, but just a, a heads-up effort there from Lamina to kind of pick it from him and get a shot off quickly uh, before the uh, rest of the team could react. Uh, but, again, another home loss for Liverpool. I think it's five on the trot which just seems inconceivable and I think breaks maybe the worst run or I think it was the worst run in the club's history from a home loss streak standpoint. Uh, I don't I don't know how to explain it. And as a from a Liverpool fan perspective, I'm sure, you know, Barrett or any other Liverpool fan doesn't either, right? You just at some point you just got to laugh to keep from crying and kind of throw your hands up in the air and say, "What what is going on?" Right? How how does this continue to happen? Uh, Cuz we saw him play well in the Champions League in midweek, right, against Le- Leipzig, which for all intents and purposes, I think I don't. I don't. It's not a bold statement for me to say that uh, that Leipzig is a better side than Fulham, right? I think that they are. They're a much stronger side. Uh, they're in the Champions League for a reason. Um, but my goodness, um, when it rains, it pours, and uh, you, you just don't um, really know how to explain uh, the turnaround. We've talked about the injuries. Sure, that's 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 a big part of it. Certainly at the uh, at the center back pairing position there. But 
you know, Liverpool are still a big side. They're still a deep side. They still have a lot of talent. And at some point, you'd think maybe the guys up top would be like, all right, we have to go out and win every match 5-4, then that's what we're going to do, right? Uh, um, uh, all gas, no breaks. But, um, yeah, just not happening for them uh, in the EPL right now for whatever reason. Having said that, I'm still confident in Jurgen Klopp and the talent that they have across the board that, that they're going to figure something out here. And, again, don't know if they're going to finish in the top four. Um, you know, Barrett and I were swapping text earlier this week as to what's the better chance to get find themselves in the Champions League, right, to finish top four in the league uh, or to go out and win the Champions League this year now that there's a guaranteed spot for the winner, obviously. Um, and I don't know. I think, I think both are going to be uphill battles uh, this year. I would think that winning or getting in the top four from a domestic standpoint would still be the slightly better odds, and I think it is, not by much, simply because Liverpool's run-in is easy on paper, right? You have sides like Fulham, you know, a lot of, a lot of teams from the bottom half of the table uh, that uh, spot their schedule uh, over the last 10 or 11 matches here as we get into mid-May. On paper, it should be easier to crack the top four uh, from a domestic standpoint, but you know, again, they're going to need some help from the teams above them as well uh, to kind of get back into that conversation. So we'll keep an eye on that one. But, uh, again, Jurgen Klopp, he hasn't forgot how to how to coach football, right? He's still a good manager. Um, he's not an idiot now. If it, if it worked for uh, several years leading up to it, there's no reason that it won't work again. I think there's just teams go through a funk from time to time, and this Liverpool funk that they're in, is extended, right? It's certainly longer than uh, than what most of us are accustomed to and certainly uh, what Liverpool fans would be used to now. But that's all it is. Uh, they'll figure it out. They'll break out of it. They're still one of the best two to three sides um, in the English Premier League and one of the best ten sides in all of European football. I don't I don't think that that is a, uh, a bold statement on my part. So... Well, let's take a live look at the EPL table. Again, as of March 11th, with Manchester City had a midweek game uh, against Southampton, thumped them 5-2, I think. So they, they took out some of the frustrations from the Manchester Derby, I think, uh, on uh, uh, Ralph Hausenhutl's side on that one. So um, I think they had two goals from De Bruyne, two goals uh, from uh, Gundogan, and I can't remember who's got the other one, but uh, they, they shared the wealth there uh, on that one. But City, again, well ahead, 68 points on 29 matches. That is 14 points clear of Manchester United at 54 on 28 matches. Leicester City one point behind at 53. Uh, and then Chelsea in the fourth spot at the moment with 50 points. West Ham, though, right there at fifth at 48 points on 27 matches. So they have a game in hand. Same for Everton and Tottenham, both with 27 matches, games in hand at 46 and 45 points respectively. And then you get to Liverpool at um, eighth slot on 43 points. And I think that's the realistic extent of any teams that can compete for the top four. I don't, I don't think I'm going out on a limb there. Arsenal uh, stuck in 10th um, on 38 points on 27 matches, but I don't see them uh, winning enough matches down the stretch. And more importantly, I don't see enough sides up above them dropping enough points to get them back into that top four conversation. So, Again, City going to win the league. No shocker there. I think United still has enough to finish in second. Now, they might be 18 points to 21 points behind City when it's all said and done uh, in a very, very distant second place. But I think they will. I like Chelsea to catch Leicester City uh, to finish in third and probably end up being closer to Manchester United than they are to whoever is in fourth. And I think that fourth spot, I mean, that's really where it gets interesting, ladies and gentlemen. So can Leicester City 
hold on with 10 matches to go, can they hold off the likes of West Ham? Can they hold off the likes of Everton and Spurs? And maybe even a rejuvenated Liverpool, right? So this result from midweek uh, in the Champions League getting to the quarterfinals, perhaps that's enough to kind of kick them on. And again, they're going to be playing mainly sides beneath them in the table as it currently stands right now. So uh, Liverpool, would you would think, would make up some ground, but can they make up enough? Uh, that is the question. Now at the opposite end of the table, Let's go down for the relegation scrap here. Sheffield United, West Brom, you know, I think they're done. I just don't think they have enough to make up the difference. Uh, Sheffield, they're they're definitely done, right? 14 points on 28 matches. They are a solid 13 points clear of the relegation zone at this point, and I don't see them getting, you know, more than 13 points uh, out of their last 10 matches. Uh, West Brom, again, Big Sam, He's been known for saving teams at the end, right? He doesn't get relegated, but uh, at 18 points on 28 matches, I think that West Brom are probably a lock to go down as well. And then it gets interesting. Um, You have this jumbled up mess between 26 points, Fulham in 18th spot, up to Burnley in the 15th spot spot at 30 points, right? So only four points separate uh, those sides there. And I think it's game on there. I, I think any of those sides from Burnley, Newcastle, Brighton, and Fulham, any of those sides could go down, right? A lot of talk about Newcastle, the bust-ups that they've had on the training ground, right? Steve Bruce uh, and, and some of the players there, they they seem to be in trouble. Um, now, can they scrap their way and find a, find a way to win a couple of matches down the stretch uh, to stay out of, the, out of the relegation zone, right? Usually 38 points, right? You think about one point per match is enough to stay clear of that. They're at 27 right now. They're only on 27 matches, though, so it should be said that they have a game in hand uh, on the majority of the rest of the league there. So can they find a way to get 10 points from 11 matches? I don't know. Maybe, right? So uh, Brighton, Graham Potter, uh, that team just seems too good, right? They, They seem to have too much going on. I think they'll find a way to get out of the scrap zone um, and find a way to stay up. And then Fulham, Kudos to Scotty Parker. Again, I've, I've confessed my man crush for him, a snazzy dresser uh, on the uh, the touchline as well. I mean, I hope Fulham finds a way to stay up. And, and I think, you know, the streak that they're on, they've been playing much, much better football. Obviously, a huge win. Three points that they couldn't have fathomed, you know, a couple of months ago, uh, getting those three points there at Anfield. So maybe they find a way to stay up. But I think Newcastle would seem to be the side that are trending in the wrong direction. Uh, and then Burnley... I mean, they just don't score enough goals, right? They're always going to be right there on the edge. But then again, they don't give up a whole lot of goals as well. Uh, so being able to to get a draw out of a few matches down the stretch, I see them staying up. Same with, you know, right above them, Crystal Palace and Southampton. You know, I think they've got enough of a cushion there at 34 and 33 points, respectively, to stay out of the scrap uh, as we get to mid-May. But Sheffield, West Brom, again, um, they're one or two nails away uh, in the coffin from being officially done. And then I think it's going to come down to Newcastle and Fulham, to be honest with you. I think Brighton finds a way to get a couple of wins down the stretch to stay out of it. Um, and so I think it's going to come down to New, Newcastle and Fulham. I'm rooting for Fulham to stay up, right? I know Newcastle's a big side, great history there. Again, recognizable shirts, the black and white stripes, the magpies. Uh, but um, that organization from top to bottom seems to be a little bit in disarray right now, which tends to end up with uh, negative results on the pitch as well. 
All right, before we get into the previews and the fantasy picks over the weekend, let's let's throw out a couple quick hitters here, ladies and gentlemen. So news broke yesterday. Manchester United have brought in a technical director, if you want to call it that, a, a director of football, um, that, that kind of a new role, right? They've been talking about it for a while now, uh, but they finally uh, uh, set up a director of football, really hired from within the organization, right? So uh, John Murtaugh come over with David Moyes uh, in 2013, had, has filled a variety of roles within the club from scouting uh, to negotiations to expanding uh, the, um, you know, whenever United started a women's squad a few years ago, he was instrumental in that. And, and seems to be a United man, right? So he, he's kind of filled a lot of roles. On that front, um, seems to have been well-received. Uh, Lori Whitwell over at The Athletic kind of wrote a, a really good article there uh, yesterday kind of laying out the organizational chart, uh, if you will, uh, for Manchester United moving forward. Obviously, the Glazers and the owners. Ed Woodward will remain in his executive vice chairman role, which, again, from a financial standpoint and a commercial standpoint, hard to argue with Woodward's results, right? The, the club, despite results on the pitch, uh, kind of uh, declining since Sir Alex retired. Uh, financially, they, they've actually done pretty well. Um, you have uh, Murtaugh reports under him, football director. From an org chart standpoint, on par with uh, with Ole, right? As the manager, they seem to are going to uh, um, uh, co-sign off on acquisitions and things of that nature. And then Darren Fletcher, uh, formally being tabbed as the new technical director, uh, kind of moving forward. He'll report under Murtaugh, but obviously work with Nikki Butt and uh, the coaching staff uh, on the uh, the academy side of things as well. So uh, going to be interesting to see how it turns out, right? But again, most of the buzz, most of the social media uh, looking at uh, fans' reactions is well, anything that we can take off Woodward's plate, this is a <laughs> it's a plus, right? Let him stick to the uh, commercial contracts and sponsorships. Uh, let a football man uh, decide the uh, the decisions on players coming and going. Uh, and uh, seems to have been well received. I know Darren Fletcher uh, gets on well with uh, with Ole, uh, given that I think they may have overlapped a little bit in their playing days as well. Fletcher early on, Ole at the end of his United career, but they get on uh, quite well, and so that should be a good relationship there. And again, Murtaugh been around the club now for several years, uh, known as a fixer, uh, if you will, uh, under Woodward, and seems to have a good relationship with Woodward as well. So um, again, not a shock that um, they hired within, I guess, now in the great context of things. And maybe I don't know how how much work they put into going outside the organization to to find a football director, but um, we'll see how it plays out, right? So uh, the more smart people you have in your organization, the better off you're going to be. I'm a firm believer of that. Uh, and Murtal seems to check all those boxes and uh, has rave reviews uh, for most of the things I've been able to read. Again, not from a United slant, but from a neutral slant, saying, "Hey, no, this guy's pretty legit. Seems to be a good hire for Manchester United." So. Hopefully that will be the case. The other quick hitter that popped up from a news standpoint this week, Brazil's famous uh, Maracanã Stadium, right? So you think about the, uh, the the big stadium there in Rio. We think about seeing World Cups and uh, hosting so many famous matches there by that great uh, Brazil side uh, over the years. Going to be renamed after Pele, right? So probably not a shocker. Uh, obviously, the, the greatest footballer from Brazil of all time. You know, questions about you know whether it's he or Maradona. Uh, that's the greatest footballer of all time. I think you know a guy named Leo Messi and maybe even a guy named Cristiano Ronaldo starts to um, you know weave their way into that conversation now as well. But Pele, uh, eighty, still alive, right? Uh, you know, getting up there in age, 
but uh, kind of a cool honor there. But, you know, the American Eye, obviously uh, one of the eighth wonders of the world, if you want to think about it in those terms, uh, uh, just a, a footballing uh, cathedral there, but, uh, you know, certainly a great honor uh, to rename it uh, after Pele. And so uh, kind of a cool, uh, neat story there on that front. Uh, a guy who's obviously worthy uh, of uh, of the praise that he receives, certainly in that country, and for everything that he did for football in Brazil uh, from the 50s and 60s. Uh, and even, you know, coming over here and playing in the U.S., right, in the uh, uh, initial startup leagues here in the uh, early 70s as well with the New York Cosmos, I think, right, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, one of the greats of all time, he will be forever remembered now uh, as the uh, uh, on the name of Brazil's uh, home stadium there in Rio. So cool story, cool news uh, on that front. All right, well, let's get into the previews for the big matches this weekend, right? Match week 29, I guess, if you want to call it that, 28 for some teams, uh, depending upon where they're at with games in hand due to COVID rescheduling and postponements there. But let's start Saturday morning, right? 6.30 a.m. Central Time, 7.30 on the East Coast. Leeds United hosting Chelsea. Um, This one is a contrast in styles, right? You think about Leeds and always moving forward and Bielsa and what he's being able to uh, to kind of implement up there. They're always fun to watch, even though they, they got waxed pretty good by West Ham uh, on Monday in that uh, other Monday na- evening game uh, over there. But, you know, you never know which lead side's going to show up, right? They can be a side that show up that's going to score three or four goals. They might give up three or four goals, but there are other times to where they just don't seem to be clicking. And so I, I'm not sure how this one's going to play out. Chelsea under Tuchel, right? We've been talking about it. They played, played so well, uh, but, you know, is their mind going to be drifting towards that uh, midweek match against Atletico Madrid, right? The second leg uh, of their round of 16 match there against Atletico. So who knows where their mind's going to be? Does Tuchel kind of tinker with the uh, the lineup, right? Is he going to, going to move some things around? It doesn't feel like he's really set on what his best 11 lineup is. Uh, I know Pulisic obviously has been relegated to the bench now, making substitute appearances in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Probably not what he wants at this point, so... At some point over the summer, does maybe uh, Christian uh, Pulisic move on? We'll see. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that this one's going to be fun. I think it's going to be entertaining. With Chelsea on the streak that they're on, you would have to probably think they're going to be favored and get a win here. But I think this one's going to be fun. I've got this as a 1-1 draw, but I think it's going to be a 1-1 draw with a lot of chances. I do. I think Chelsea may rotate a little bit. I think they're going to be looking to the midweek uh, Champions League match in you know, Elon Road, it's a tough place to go, right? So uh, even even without the fans in it, whenever the fans come back, that's going to be a rocking place. Uh, going to be fun to see that happen. And obviously Leeds, they're well uh, above the relegation scrap. They're not going to have to worry about getting relegated. So they will be back in the Premier League again next year. So I've got this one 1-1, but it's going to be an entertaining 1-1. Uh, so so uh, keep an eye on that match. Uh, staying on Saturday, Fulham hosting Manchester City. Can Fulham do it? two weeks in a row, right? We saw them going to Anfield last weekend, get a 1-0 victory over Liverpool. Now big, bad Manchester City come to town, right? Uh, lost the derby. They come back midweek, thumped uh, Southampton. No, there, there's no chance of an upset here. I've got this one 4-0 Manchester City. They could probably score more. I think Fulham knows that there's going to be matches down the stretch here over the last nine weeks that are going to be more important than this one. Uh, I don't think that they're expecting to, to get anything more. Maybe they can luck out and get a draw, right? So, But they're going to have to score uh, more than one goal in this one if they are going to get a draw. But I don't think it happens. I think the citizens continue to roll here. Uh, and I've got Manchester City 4-0 over Fulham. 
well, my side, Manchester United, Clayton and I's side, they have a big match Sunday, right? David Moyes coming back to Old Trafford. I know he's been there a couple of times already, right? FA Cup and even in the league last year. Um, but it's always interesting whenever, you know, uh, a former manager comes back to town, right? Uh, we think about what happened against Spurs back in the fall where they <laughs> thumped United 6-1. And West Ham are playing good football right now. Moyes, you got to give him credit, right? He's got it going on there right now. They're challenging for a Champions League spot. I mean, the bare minimum is going to be you know, a Europa League spot for the Hammers next year. But you know, I wouldn't count them out for that uh, that fourth place spot as well. But you know, United, you know, playing better. Um, again, they had that stretch there of a three or four ugly nil-nil draws. Obviously, broke out of that in the Manchester Derby this weekend and played well. I don't think they played poorly against Milan, although the you know, giving up a goal in the last minute was uh, frustrating from a result standpoint there. Uh, so these sides play much better. Now, the question will be, is Marcus Rashford, he's going to be healthy, right? Is he is the ankle going to recover enough uh, to be able to be ready for this one? I don't think it will. I think Ole will continue to rest him, to have him ready for the second leg at the Sincero on Thursday against Milan. So I think they'll be without Marcus Rashford in this one. But I think United still find a way to win. I think I've got United winning this one 2-1. Again, I think they're going to kind of really start to exert themselves or, 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 or you know, put themselves forward, I should say, and really stake a claim for that second place. Say, hey, look, we're not on City's level yet, but we are the best of the rest. And so I think there'll be a little bit of distance uh, start to creep in there between United and Leicester. And I think City will continue to move up as well, but I think United will stay um, uh, on par with them from a distance standpoint. And so I think United finds a way to win this one 2-1 at Old Trafford, even though they've they've been much better away from home uh, this year. There's no doubt about that. Well, let's go to Sunday. Well, I should say Monday, right? Let's jump ahead to Monday. Wolves hosting Liverpool, right? We, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Liverpool struggles from a domestic standpoint. How's this going to play out? Wolves, aside that after what they've been able to do under NES the last couple of seasons, I think NES himself would say that this has been a disappointing year uh, for Wolves. They, they haven't uh, played as well as they have in years past. You know, Typically, they're up there challenging for one of those Europa spots, right? They're in that five, six, seven range and uh, certainly not doing that this year, uh, but still a tough side to play, right? They've had that system, you know, three at the back, uh, crunch up the midfield and, uh, and kind of usually play pretty good staunch defensive football there, especially uh, at home at the Molyneux. But I've got this one, a one, one draw. Uh, I think Liverpool, you know, again, they're still trying to find their way domestically. And I, and until you see them kind of break out from that funk, and put two or three really, really good performances domestically in a row together, it's hard to pick them right now, right? Because you don't know when those streaks are going to end. You don't know when those funks are going to end. Uh, I think Wolves will have a siege mentality, right? They'll kind of pack it in, maybe get a, a free kick a goal from a set piece, right, between you know Connor Cody, corner kick, uh, Ruben Neves, right, from a free kick, whatever it may be. Uh, Liverpool will probably get a goal through Salah or Mane on that front, but I've got this one as a 1-1 draw uh, on the Monday night match on the 15th. Well, the big one of the weekend, ladies and gentlemen, another big derby, right? The North London derby, Arsenal hosting Spurs. Both sides playing pretty good football right now, right? We talked about it earlier in the pod. Both of them played really, really well uh, earlier this afternoon in the Europa League, again, against sides that, you know, they're they're clearly better than. Uh, but even domestically, right, they've both been playing well. I know Arsenal dropped points against Burnley last weekend, but leading up to that, they seem to have been getting back on the right track. And then Spurs, I mean, they've been playing lights out over the last few weeks. Gareth Bell's kicking on, right, over on the right wing. You get Son on the left. 
You got Kane up top. You got Lucas Mara in the hole. I mean, that is a front four that is deadly in probably one of the best front fours, right, in football. Right? You think about, you know, other sides, you know, United, whenever they're healthy and playing well, their front four is typically pretty good, right? Uh, Liverpool, you know, with the front three, and then maybe, you know, whoever's playing in the hole behind them, whether it be a Thiago, although he hasn't played out um, – quite the way that Liverpool fans would want. But, you know, that front three is certainly formidable there. But, uh, I mean, Spurs, if all those guys are playing well and they're all clicking, which they are right now, then, yeah, that's that's going to be a, a tough, tough attack to keep out of the back of the net. I think there's going to be fireworks in this one. Jose loves a good derby, right? He likes to needle uh, the opposing side. Uh, Arteta's not going to take any shit. He's not a guy who's going to back down as well. So watch for some... Uh, passion there on the touchline between these two managers, but I've got this one as a 2-2 draw. I think there are going to be goals. I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, obviously, it means a lot to both sides and the fan bases behind them. Um, and again, I think they're both playing pretty good football right now, so give me a 2-2 draw in the North London Derby on Sunday afternoon. All right, and that brings us to the fantasy picks now, but before we do the, the fantasy picks for this week, we got to go back and take a look at what happened last week. And so from the uh, the predictor game, not much to brag about from that standpoint. So uh, Clayton was obviously off his birthday week, right? So he, he kind of had some, uh, some fun stuff planned on that. So he didn't get his picks submitted uh, either on the predictor or on the fantasy side. So it was just Barrett and I. But uh, um, I, I won, I guess if you want to call it that, with just uh, eight points. I got two results correct. Uh, Barrett uh, only had one, so eight to four on that standpoint. So I'm chipping away at Barrett's um, probably insurmountable lead at this point with only uh, 10 weeks to go uh, on the predictor. So uh, Barrett's going to win that one, but it's a, kind of a city and United race. How, how close can I get uh, as a, a distant second place uh, in that regard? But on the pod pick them from a fantasy standpoint, a decent week, right? I fielded a full starting lineup, so no uh, no offers in that regard. 871 points on that to Barrett's 791. He had uh, uh, Young Jones, the, the midfielder there for Liverpool, who didn't play uh, against Fulham, and so he had an offer on that one, so that kind of cost him there. And then, again, Clayton was uh, was off uh, last week in that regard on his birthday week, and again, uh, kind of starting a new gig and doing some things on that front. So, again, expect Clayton to be back uh, on the pod next week, hopefully. So, uh, But let's get to fantasy picks for this week, ladies and gentlemen. So Barrett, uh, he was able to get in his picks, and so I'll go through Barrett's picks along with my own, and we'll kind of compare and contrast uh, on that front. But uh, I guess it's my honors, right? So I guess uh, I won last week in both the uh, predictor uh, and the, uh, the pod pick them. And so I will go first. And so let's start at the back, as we always do. Give me Aston Villa's Emiliano Martinez. Again, sneaky good. Goalkeeper from a fantasy standpoint, arguably the best fantasy keeper uh, uh, going out there uh, in this uh, 2021 uh, campaign, 2020-2021 campaign. But uh, they host, or they're on the road, excuse me, uh, to Newcastle on Friday evening. Again, talked about Newcastle. They're struggling right now. I think they're just competent enough to get a few shots on goal, but not clinical enough to put a lot in the back of the net. Uh, And so I like uh, uh, Martinez there as my keeper for Aston Villa. Barrett's got Casper Schmeichel. Uh, for Leicester City. Leicester City uh, hosting Sheffield United. Again, understand the reasoning, right? Sheffield United doesn't score a lot of goals. Probably an opportunity for a clean sheet and maybe a couple saves for Casper Schmeichel uh, on that one. So going to the back, four guys at the back. Give me Michael Keane of Everton, Yannick Vestergaard of Southampton, Luke Shaw, my man from Manchester United, 
and then Timothy Castagna for Leicester City. So if you kind of break those through, Everton hosting Burnley. Again, Burnley, hard to score against, but they don't score a lot of goals. Uh, Keane uh, is again, been one of the sneaky better center halves from a fantasy standpoint all season long. Same can be said for Vestergaard, right, coming back from the injury. For Southampton, right, they're not playing City uh, this weekend. Uh, so a little bit more of a, uh, a fantasy available pick on that front. They host Brighton uh, on Sunday morning. So probably not going to be a ton of goals in that one. Um, give me Luke Shaw for the obvious reasons that he's playing fantastic uh, this year. I mean, you know, outside of Bruno Fernandez, definitely United's best and most consistent player. Uh, look for him to get forward. He rested this week, right? He didn't play uh, in the uh, Europa League match earlier today against Milan, so I think he'll be ready to go and fired up for David Moyes' return on Sunday afternoon. And then give me Timothy Cassagna uh, for Leicester City, probably for the same reason that Barrett took Casper Schmeichel. Don't expect Sheffield to get a bunch of goals in this one, and then Cassagna can get forward, throw in some crosses, uh, get some interceptions and some clearances as well. So I, and he's been playing uh, pretty well for Leicester over the last couple of weeks uh, as well. Barrett's picks at the back, Tyrone Means for Aston Villa, piggybacking on my man Means. Uh, but again, they play Newcastle on Friday. Don't expect Newcastle to get a ton of goals in that one in the form that they're in. Yeri Mina, right? He took the other half of Everton's center half pairing. Uh, good pick there. Kyle Walker-Peters, Southampton, again, playing uh, Brighton. And, and Kyle Walker-Peters has been playing pretty well uh, down the right flank for the Saints as well. And then he likes Luke Shaw for the same reasons that I do, I'm sure, against West Ham United. Moving to the midfield. It's been a few weeks since I took my man Bruno, but I think he's going to need to be influential in this match against West Ham this weekend. Uh, again, a guy that he, he just doesn't have. Uh, apparently, he has an unlimited gas tank because Ole will not rest him. He started the match against uh, uh, Milan in the Europa League today. Got subbed off in the 75th minute whenever United thought they had it won. They were put, making offensive changes for defensive changes, uh, but that didn't really pan out, as we talked about. But... I think Bruno will play well, whether it's a PK, whether it's a set piece, maybe an assist uh, to Greenwood or Dan James or something. Uh, but I think he will be influential against the Hammer, so I'll go with him. James Ward-Prowse took him last week. He was outstanding last week. I'm going to stick with the hot hand against Southampton hosting Brighton, a little more favorable matchup than against City. Uh, so I will take uh, Southampton in that one. Uh, and then kind of going down the board here a little bit, but give me – Andros Townsend of Crystal Palace. So a guy that, you know, has had some injuries, right? Crystal Palace is always kind of up and down. But whenever you think about, you know, that trio that they have, whether it be Townsend, Zaha, and Benteke up front, I mean, that's a formidable attacking trident that you have there whenever those guys are all healthy. Zaha came back, right, played, uh, come in off the bench uh, for Crystal Palace at the weekend uh, against Spurs. And so, you know, maybe he's going to be healthy and maybe that side can kind of get back uh, to – you know, a more balanced uh, approach, if you will. But uh, uh, Crystal Palace, they host West Brom, right? So, again, West Brom, you know, they're, they're hard to score against. I'll give them that. But they also don't score a lot of goals. So, probably would be under a lot of pressure there. And so, I like Townsend to maybe uh, whip in across uh, to either Zaha or Benteke and get an assist or two and maybe even score a goal himself. So, midfielders for Barrett. Ilkay Gundogan of Manchester City, again, can pick any of those guys from that city midfield right now, whether it be De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Phil Foden. I mean, my goodness, they're they're uh, uh, they have an embarrassment of riches in that attacking midfielder row. Now, I think they still may need to suss out who the uh, the lead striker is going to be, uh, the number nine, kind of moving forward. But Pep, 
you know, just, again, shows why he's such a fantastic manager. He can adjust to the players that he has and make any system work. And uh, I, I think that's probably a good pick. Again, Gundogan had two goals, I think, in midweek. So uh, he has been absolutely outstanding. Um, Barrett's got James Ward-Prowse as well, probably, again, for the same reasons, right? He had the hot hand last week. I would expect that to continue against Brighton. And then Barrett, in a, in a master stroke here of genius, Fabinho, he's moving him back to the midfield. So he's got Fabinho in his midfield lineup, again, probably playing that pivot role. Seems like Liverpool is going to go with that pairing of Nat Phillips and uh, uh, Oban Kazak. So we'll see how that works out. But, you know, Fabinho has filled in admirably uh, as a center half when asked to whenever he's been healthy. Um, but his best role is obviously kind of that holding midfielder role there. And, again, just begs the question as to where does Thiago uh, fit in. Uh, moving forward for Liverpool there. They spent a bunch of money on him, and he's an uber-talented player, but finding the the spot for him to fit in, I think, is still uh, going to be a challenge for er, uh, Jurgen Klopp and maybe something he doesn't figure out until uh, the, the summer. So, Attackers up front. Again, whether it be Kane or Son, you got to go with one of them, right? I mean, Gareth Bell might enter himself into that uh, equation at some point for a selection consideration. If he continues on his hot streak, Barrett went with Harry Kane. Uh, so I'll go with Son. Uh, and again, whether it be assist, setting up Kane and Bell, or whether it be scoring goals himself, I think there will be goals in that North London derby. He'll get on the stat sheet in some way, shape, or form. Give me my man Neil Mape of Brighton. Uh, I've got him on our fan track season-long lead. I think the guy's scrappy. I think he runs his socks off. Again, Brighton doesn't create a ton of chances, but the few chances that he gets, he usually puts them on target, and he's he's been known to get a goal. Uh, from time to time, and so I think that Southampton match is going to be scrappy, and so that'll be a fun match. Uh, and again, I, I, I really admire what Graham Potter does. I think he's a really good manager. And then give me Dominic Calvert-Lewin for Everton. Right, Everton hosting Burnley. That's going to be a physical scrap, right? Uh, Calvert-Lewin, he's up for the physical nature of it, right? Uh, he loves getting into those scraps. Big, strong, fast, physical guy. So I think playing against that uh, that uh, Burnley back line, he'll be up for the challenge. Uh, and uh, I like him to get a goal against Burnley this weekend. So I mentioned Barrett, Harry Kane, right? Not a tough choice there. Probably a good choice uh, in the North London Derby. He's also got Riyad Mahrez for Manchester City. Been playing really, really well out on the right flank for the citizens there. And then he's also got Jamie Vardy of Leicester. Again, we talked about Leicester playing Sheffield. Uh, they they need to get back to the winning ways. Sheffield can be tough to break down, but they obviously don't offer a whole lot going forward. So you would think that Leicester would dominate possession, and Vardy's going to get a couple of chances uh, over the weekend, that's for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you riding with me here on this solo expedition of the Yankee Wankers football podcast. Again, Yankee Wanker, I guess, today, uh, given that uh, I'm riding solo. But uh, for our listeners out there, again, you can still get in touch with Barrett at Hartman underscore LFC to talk about all things Liverpool. And then you can get at my man Clayton at McCluskey101, M-C-C-L-U-S-K-Y-1. 101 to talk about Manchester United or football in general on that front. And so while this will wrap it up for this episode, remember gang that the conversation does not end here to keep it going and also keep up with everything we're doing over at the sports pros network. Check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember that's pros with an E P R O S E. Enjoy the matches this weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. <laughs>